not so knowing in that kind of way, like I know who I am. The, the, the kind of knowing that I speak about, the knowing who you are, is that you are that itself. It's not, it's not a mental thing. The knowing and the, the being are the same thing. You know, not yeah. I know who I am. Sometimes I'm not this. Sometimes not that. It's not a, an objective knowledge. It's a kind of what I'd call a subjective knowledge. So it's not when people say I don't know who I am. I, I just still don't know who I am. Then I understand the misunderstanding because there's a feeling like I should know who I am. So I ask that, what is that? What would knowing who you are mean? That okay, I know that that I'm not this body and I'm not this mind. I know that I'm not that. But yeah, okay, you know what you're not, but do you know what you are? And then if you say, well, I know that I am the consciousness, I am consciousness, and I know I'm consciousness, and I am consciousness. Mm. Then somehow it's not the fine-tuning of the words, but something is conveyed through that, that is just pure, like this. Many people come sometimes and they say, because enough now people are saying, you know, well, I know who I am, or I don't know who I am. I just, I just don't know. I know that I'm not the body, but I don't know who I am. Okay. In a way, I say you can't know who you are from the place that you're speaking. You cannot know it like, you know, I know who my mother is and I know where she lives right now. It's not that kind of knowing, you know. It's not that type of knowing which is a kind of information or something. Because even if you say, I know who my mother is, I can show you that you don't. You understand? If somebody says, well, at least I know who my mother is, I can still bring a discussion to you to show you that you don't know who your mother is. You don't know. All you know is your conditioning that says, this is mother, and that's what it represents. But who she is, you don't know. Unless you know who you are, you know like this. So it is a subject. It is quite good. I'm glad you brought it up again because it seems to be a little bit of a a point where it becomes easily unclear because we say, "Yes, I don't know who I am. I really don't know." And I'm saying, "Who is who is saying I don't know who I am?" I find very much a lot of misunderstanding happens around uh, this point, you know. Well, who is saying, I don't know who I am? And it seems like, well, how is that answered? I don't know. But who is saying, I don't know who I am? Is it the true self that is saying, I don't know what I am? Or is it some identity? What is saying, I don't know what I am? I know what I'm not, but I don't know what I am. Can we catch hold of the one who is saying that? There's a point to it, you know. There's a point to it because something is is unraveling. It's like it's like this. Something inside that is, and in even just trying to understand the question, more than going for the answer, even just trying to understand the question, it does something like it starts to do that. It just starts to pull things open, and you don't know how you come into such a deep conviction. But it just happened. Just like somebody trying to ride a bicycle for the first time, and they, you know, they're falling off. They fall to the left. They fall to the to the right. They fall over. They fall to the back. They just can't. They see other people riding. It looks so easy, 
and they're, they're trying to ride but you just can't get it and then one minute you just you're just riding you know and someone says how do you do that and you, you don't know how you do it it's not a kind of thing that you can say oh this is what i did you know on the seventh attempt what i did was i just kind of did that and that and how you you cannot say and some of the truest knowledge you cannot say how it come about something is released something is released you know not knowing or or some fear is taken away and what is what is really there just uh, opens up or something like that in in zima mm. um, i was contemplating and on who i am mm. and just kind of led me over the concept just boom. and as I, as I said, I knew that I was that. Yeah. And maybe the mind is expecting that again it will be like that. <laughs> because it's very Listen, 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 I want to tell you everybody something. The mind is not true. Even that the mind is expecting to have experience, it's not true. It doesn't even exist actually. It's like a seed that's planted inside your head and it just keeps on operating. But it's not true. It doesn't. It's like you're doing. You're giving too many commands to the computer, and then somebody says the computer doesn't like that. Well, of course, there's no sentiment. It's not a computer that doesn't like it. It doesn't function like that. And in the same way, you know, it seems like from the mind comes like I want to have this again. Where it just kind of, it just kind of opened up, and I and I was just this. Mm. If we can scrape scrape off the entire thing of consciousness. And go back down to just basics again, just basics now. Like you are just a newborn child, and you're going to learn something for the first time again. And you say, "My mind is saying this to me," or something. And then we say, "What? What is the mind? Why you call it mind?" I mean, who are you? Are you clear? That you are one thing and the mind is something else, and the mind is saying something to you. I mean, what's really happening? What is really happening in this? Is it that the mind is the sort of the bad side, or a completely separate power from you, and it somehow just comes, and it it suggests things which are kind of kind of nonsense or appear to be true but they're not true. They are illusory, but they appear to be you know, kind of actually or whatever. Is it something separate that is coming to visit you? And you're really quite innocent until the mind came and then the mind made you this. Or is it that there's a partnership with part of your energy which you call the mind, which is your creative possibilities? And so it is you in there. These things are not easy because I don't think over history anybody has really define this or is capable of really defining because it's not like we are talking about tangible actualities there there is seems like there is overlapping of sensations that we call one it's like being in the ocean and some part of the ocean is more cool and some part is more hot but it's still just one ocean and you know because mind is also the pure self and you know, ego is also from the self, and the beingness is also aspect of the self. 
and there is some intermixing of these energies which are all you and they give different temperature they create different temperatures and these temperatures can correspond with with kind of informational energy or sentimental energy or emotional energy or attention energy they're just giving giving off different readings it's good just to look at these things without trying to get somewhere just kind of look and see if you can understand them a little bit because we're using language which are which are basically languages passed down from generation to generation you didn't create this language and and, and many of the things you think you know is just what your parents gave you what your friends gave you and what you were prepared to accept and so sometimes we're using words like love and what is truth and and myself and my mind does this and my mind is like that and it can just be what we're speaking is just a habit that we believe that there is a, that the mind is capable of that and i ask again what is mind then because somewhere inside we conceive of mind as a kind of thing or a force or an entity and it can be like this also too some in some culture it is referred to as a, a kind of a dark spirit or something that is part of our is part of our space of being a potential we have in ourselves we speak about the divine energy and purity which is also the potential inside ourselves and who is this ourself that we are referring to is consciousness Sometimes I feel I need to look again and just start with just fundamental and basic things. What we see, are we on the same page together? Are we talking about the same. Our reference points is it the same? Because what you may be calling a soul, and maybe I'll just call it just really just your idea of yourself. And then sometimes you think, well, no, it's not quite. This is something else. Actually, language is not true. Language itself is not truth. It's just another tool, a facility to somehow interact. Consciousness, in its form as duality and manifestation, has to interact. And language is a common medium in each culture, somehow that you can do with each culture. But you know, truth is not sealed inside words or concepts. It is good that we talk about these things so that. You can keep your consciousness broad because it wants to shrink down into some narrow little thing. If you could be picked up and shown, you know, enter into the world of concepts and go right into the belly of it, and look around, you'd come back. You'd have to come back up completely empty because it doesn't make sense actually. You cannot understand this world. You cannot understand this world. You cannot understand yourself in that way, not conceptually. You cannot figure out anything. Cannot figure out anything. That's why we we what we do is we we accept certain models that we create in our mind and accept that they will work for now. And then with practice and time, they become like truths, but they are not truths. If you start to look into anything, it just opens up into worlds and worlds and worlds and worlds. Actually, not because oh you know, but because the human coming from a human place. 
where you have identity, this is the worst thing for a sister. Because you can't understand nothing. And the, the trouble is you think you can. When the mind is again, the identity again is united into the self. There's spontaneous knowledge. Intuitive knowledge. Which is not in any textbook. It's just a kind of knowingness, an understanding, a wisdom, an intuition, a sensing that doesn't really require words and you know very. Mm, it's just knowing. It's enough. But when you have an ego, you have to transact and interact in the world for benefit and loss and so on. And it's the language caters for that type of interaction. But for real understanding, you have to become empty. Become empty, because anything that you have studied becomes past. All your references come from the past. Only the one who has nothing, who is not containing anything at all, is fresh. Everybody comes. You 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 go back to your learnt knowledge. It's kind of past actually, and it's okay for practical things, regular things, of course, experience. How to do things, how to use a washing machine and stuff. This is, you know, practical things. But that's not high knowledge. That's just to get along. How to tie your shoelaces? Yeah, you have to learn something. But to find out what this magnificent universe is and who you are, you cannot go into old knowledge, tired knowledge, somebody else's knowledge. You have to find something that is always fresh. It's so fresh; it does not has any real use for yesterday's information anymore. That you want to eat yesterday's food for today's lunch. The beingness doesn't need anything of yesterday. <clears throat> In that way, no matter what people say, how much they study, how much they think they know. They cannot be compared with one who is completely empty. Because emptiness is not dullness and it's not ignorance. It's not even wisdom. It's just purity. Out of that emptiness can spring anything. Everything is just in the moment fresh. If it needs it, and yet there's no attachment even to that. So the encouragement, if a satsang will guide you, it will only be again. To take out your noise, so to be empty, and then see if it's not true. You don't waste your life speculating, imagining, and trying to fulfil projections or something. There's absolutely no need. Then what do you do? I don't know what you do. I would not be concerned with this question. What you do? It's such a foolish question. Just you are, and this the vastness of that. That understanding. There is no intention to do or not to do. That alone is spontaneity. That alone is spontaneity. But these words only come alive in you when somehow you allow them to show you and to to empty you. You allow that. And even to come to this place where there is an allowance, a willingness, an openness, a yesness. To be free from our own attachment to our own projections, even that already is a mighty step, and few few make it. Few make it. Sometimes this old thing about 
trying to understand the world and I'm trying to understand it is just such a an impossible thing. You understand a few little things, few little things, few little things. You can you can know about all the way that the world is, and even if you could, you cannot. A human being who is not sitting in the heart of God cannot know anything about this universe. Because God's voice to you is you could study me forever and you'll never know me. But if you love me, I am yours. You try and study, you don't know anything at all. We only know what we contrive. But you cannot know things as they are. That was one of the great divine frustrations for me, of coming to a point that you cannot know. You cannot know. It doesn't work like that. You also, you don't even know who you are. How are you going to know what anything is if you don't know who you are? Then, then there was a big sleep, and then wake up fresh and grateful. At least I don't have to bother with that. Don't have to bother with that. Don't bother trying to learn something which is not going to help you to know who you are. That is, that was something. We have an experience of something very beautiful. In that moment, there was no you. That's why it was so beautiful, actually. There was not the whole you. And yet, something is there, which still arises as I inside his body. That was one of the great findings. The feeling of I is not there in the highest moments of direct and pure experience. The the I me, the personality in person, was not there. That's great beauty is there. And where does beauty come from? You will not even ask this question. Even you are so one with that. You had a glimpse from that. And then somehow it seems that the mind force comes and it seems to cover that up. But at least you know that you have had an experience where you don't have to say, I don't believe in that. No, you, you have had the experience, so it is your experience. So you know that exists somehow. Now your quest is to try and see how can I find that again and be stable in that so it doesn't go. That's the quest that happens. Then what happens is that you start to pursue the reoccurring of that experience. Then I tell you, forget about it. You're never gonna have the experience in that way, especially looking with your mind. It doesn't need what that came to do, it's already done it. And that can be different things. It may have really triggered a longing inside you, a desire, an urge which was not there before. To break free. But now, having had the experience, sufficient power, sufficient determination or longing is there. And that is the fuel that will help you to discover the rest because you cannot just have things given to you. We don't appreciate things that are given to you, actually. 
some things that a rich person give their children, and in five minutes they throw it in the corner. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a poor person would just want one of the wheels that fall off of that is the aspiration for them, and they'll be a long time more grateful about that than anything because you've learned to appreciate. This is one of the the great gifts of poverty, actually, is that you learn to appreciate and value things. Don't value them too much, but you value them somehow. And that is a that is a kind of a respect that is born towards the earth, towards life, is that you have a value for things. If they come too easy, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Sometimes that's the way that real knowledge comes also. Is that you have been given a taste of something which you cannot buy. You can be the greatest, the wealthiest person in the world. You cannot go and buy that. The poor cannot buy it, the rich cannot buy it. But what happens when that experience comes, it triggers or ignites in you a fire for full fuller discovery. That if you only had a mental knowledge of it, you don't have the power. But when you have had the experience of it, then you know it exists and you want more. And that desire must be born inside, an urge for truth, an urge for that love, an urge for freedom, an urge to be free of the tyranny or the hypnosis of egoic thinking. That must come. So that brings us into the sense of search again, without which you would just be sitting there sucking your finger and know what you would be doing. But the urge is there, it fires up and you, you want to find that. You may think, yes, I want to find that experience again, but it needn't be that experience. What you're searching for is something of that intensity. You want something of that intensity, of that purity, not a duplicate of that experience in terms of the imagery of it. But you want something that touch you that deeply, something that threw you out of yourself that completely, that only what is pure was left. That's what you are searching for. Searching for. So the idea of looking to have that experience the way it felt at the time is not the thing. But the real thing was that it's not that you thought of a certain person and they came and you were filled with just with this joy that wouldn't go away. You whatever you desire seem to come, but maybe you don't have desire in that moment. It's not a desiring moment. It's a moment almost free for the first time of any desire, where you were just content to be, something that your mind seemed to not want to allow you to feel content just to be. It wants to put something in your hand. It wants to give you a toy or to give you a promise or to give you some projection to say, when you get this, you'll be happy. And you never reach what you what you project. It will never tell you, listen, you don't need any of what I give you to be happy. The mind will never tell you, look, you don't need nothing from me, I tell you. Okay? You don't you are fine by yourself. The mind is not gonna tell you that. It's gonna tell you, listen, come with me, babe. You know, around the corner, up the hill, just over the rainbow, we'll get there. It will not tell you the mind for the while while you are in the state of duality and think yourself to be a person, it would not tell you that, listen, you don't need me. It's going to tell you, you need something. You're not good enough, not yet, 
You're not worthy, not yet. You have to do this and this and this first. It will keep you always pursuing something. Freedom is free, but it's not cheap. You can't put money on the table for it. You can't even put your life on the table for it and just say, Okay, I put my life down, now give me freedom. That's total arrogance. In my town when I was growing up, sometimes, you know, in the holidays, we as school kids, I was like maybe fourteen, then fifteen, you look for a summer summer job. And sometimes it was at the PWD, the public works department or something. I'm not interested in public works department. What they do is they clean roads and they, you know, sort of like change light bulbs in the street and stuff like that. But that's the only work is going. And you go there on Monday morning early, and there are seventy people outside waiting to find that one job to kind of change light bulbs. People sitting there in the hot sun, just waiting. By lunchtime, half of them have gone. By three o'clock, another three quarters are gone. There's still maybe 25 people sitting there or 20 people sitting there. And so it goes on. And one by one, people are dropping off. Somewhere along the way, maybe the boss doesn't show up all day. The second day, maybe there's 15 or 20 people, and they start to gossip amongst themselves that yesterday we came and nothing came, nothing happened. And maybe somebody starts to make up these lies the boss is out of town, he's coming back next day. And then somebody gets the job. I don't know why. Maybe persistence, maybe patience, maybe longing, I don't know. Very very impatient times, cynical times. So we want it now. We got internet mind. We want it now. But you can't have it now. You can't embrace it now. You can't contain it now. Because there's still too much noise inside you. And that will determine how true, how true you are, how true you are for that. That's all part of it too. Some will say, "Yeah, I just that's all. It's all I want is this. All I want is this. I don't want anything. I don't want anything else." Okay. You help me to wash up these dishes and stuff. Oh man, I don't like washing dishes, man. I just get my chip my nails and everything like that. You know, I don't mind sweeping the floor and. Okay, you don't want to. You don't want. To. It's not because the truth is far away or it's difficult in itself. It's nothing it's not difficult or easy. It's not difficult or easy. But the thing you think you are is unworthy. The thing you think you are is unworthy and cannot embrace the truth. Some of that has to be washed off first. So proud, so special you think you are. But some of that has to be washed out. The opportunity here is always to transcend the the personal role. Transcend me into not really be living your life in the energy of being only a person or living life personally, perceiving personally, reacting, interacting personally. Because it's a very aggressive state.
and very tiresome to be a person. As I was saying yesterday, it takes no energy to be the Self. It takes a tremendous amount of energy to be a person, because there is so much psychological self-consciousness. The mind seems much more alive, much more virile in the modification of consciousness as a person. The person thing is constantly at it, and it seems difficult for the consciousness to just pop out of the person. It seems so easily sucked back into that pod of being this person and reacting and finding something somebody said really ticked me off and you know like real this and I find this and it is so claustrophobic. The personal self-indulgence becomes very claustrophobic, and it doesn't take so much to get out of it. What takes, what is difficult to get out is to come to the clarity, because always we are feeling that there is something precious or valuable about our personal identity, and so something doesn't want to let go of that. And it's that continuing relationship, let's call it that for now, that consciousness has formed as a portrait of itself, a kind of self-portrait as a person. And that what I would call um, affection for the personal identity is what causes the personal identity to, to perpetuate and to continue like that. And in being in a space like this for some time, some people have been here for quite quite a time for me. We should be coming out of that clump loads of egoic and personal stuff or noise should fall away. There are times when it is felt, actually. There are times when I am listening, or sometimes not even listening, but just paying some soft attention to people, and I can feel the maturity somehow. There are times when that is, that is very palpable, you know, a kind of, a, a kind of maturity is there. But it wavers, you see. Sometimes it's not there. Sometimes back some stupidities come, and real stupidities. And another time there's this depth. Sometimes there's a profundity. Very subtle. But even in its subtlety, it's a difference between heaven and earth, actually. And I feel that in most of the people who are here, that there's there are there are times when when you're in that state and you may be not even conscious of it. Just a sort of fragrance is there, but again something swings back in and, but it's just a question of how much time is spent in that. In that lower state, I would say, and then how quickly it becomes suffocating, and you are you are forced to rise again into, you have to stay into your. Into your into a higher state of consciousness, and it does take time. It takes time because I don't know. We can say that we have been absorbing so much negative personal conditioning, personal habits, and so on, and that's may have been going on for life. Some people have lifetimes, hundreds of lifetimes. We have been in the modification of being persons, 
being in the self-portrait, in the in the identity of being a person. So this is why the sages were always so patient, because they say, but it's a long time in terms of human time. But in terms of divine time, it's nothing at all, actually. It's nothing. In one way, it's nothing at all. In fact, it doesn't even exist. But how does it correlate the dream world as it's perceived through clear eyes? You know, how does it correlate that there's this life that feels so tangible that we all seem to be moving in the same time zone, energy field of human existence, interacting on the basis of personhood and so on? How can we say that this is a dream? Well, it's better we don't say until there's sufficient maturity to really grasp that in some meaningful way. Otherwise, it just becomes a kind of spiritual cliche. It has no power of its own. It has to begin to to touch a deeper place than your brain. That you can sense, you know, just sense it. You don't have to work anything out, but just sense that you know. Wait, you know, this is here. Also, this is here. You know. But uh, there's understanding also that we're in the fever state of being a person, and this fever state it seems universal and really very stretched out in time. That now, occasionally, you're slipping into consciousness. Uh, quite spontaneously, where you are without the uniform of personhood, and you are just in your natural state. And it becomes more and more um, easy, spontaneous, natural. And with, with that being so, the being again in the state of personhood is becoming increasingly unbearable. That as soon as the mind descends somehow into that zone of you, me, this, that, world, blame, judgment, this and that, that it becomes your throat tightens and there's no oxygen. You have to come up, and there's going to come a time when things become, for some people, so severe that the only way they can escape it is just to be formless. How to be formless? It's not that you're going to become. It's just somehow you have to retract or somehow into that place of looking. Now it, that can itself seem like it's a kind of contraction or something, but it's not. It's a kind of wisdom, just like discipline can feel like it's, it's you know, it's a kind of pressure, but it leads you to a freedom. You see. Or we were saying before that sometimes removing your choice uh, makes you more happy when you accept it. Because we suffer from the illusion of choices. We don't know what to, what choice to make. We're confused. And some people resist discipline and authority, but sometimes discipline and authority is good in order to release you into real freedom. Because with too much false freedom, you just grow a bigger ego. And are afraid of real freedom. So there's a lot of things that are all messed up and tangled. And our saving grace is that there's something in you that is already perfect. It's not to try and make the imperfect perfect. 
But to discover what is perfect, how are you going to do that if you don't even know what is perfect? We only know it intuitively, because in the perfect state, there is a natural contentment, a natural peace. Just like when you're well, you don't need a doctor to tell you you're well. You're just well. I say, oh, how are you? Actually, I'm going to check my doctor. Oh, my doctor, you're well. I am well. No, you are well. You know when you're well, and you know when you're sick also. I'm not feeling very well. Your authority is greater than a doctor's. You alone know it. So, in the same way, you will know that somehow I can't say what I am, or even really, I don't know if I have the energy to say what I'm not. Maybe I'm nothing at all. This feels like my most comfortable place. I, I am nothing. I am nothing at all. But somehow I am supremely happy. What could make you unhappy? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever been unhappy. Maybe I just dreamt unhappiness. I don't know if I've ever been unhappy. Maybe I only had this dream that I was unhappy. If it came a time and you were approached and say, Look, in five minutes you have to be completely empty. Because all of this is gonna burn down and you're gonna burn with it. In five minutes you must drop everything and be completely empty, like Muji showed you. Only amongst you who are here I can say that that's a fair deal. I could not go and say to people out anywhere, look, in five minutes you must drop your identity. Or you're going to burn, or something. There's nothing they could do about it, but it's something you can do about it, because you have given time. You have given, or you must have given time, and energy, and focus, and contemplation to these things. To make your your inner being ready and available for such a an invitation or a challenge. Yeah, to drop it. Five minutes is a tremendous amount of time, actually. Five minutes is luxury time. In an instant, you should be able to drop your link to delusion. The challenge would be, can you drop it without effort? I wouldn't even ask you if you can retain, because that's not what you can do. Nobody can retain staying as the Self. Nobody has done it to keep on being the Self. 
that's an illusion. It is not. It is not like that. And I hope by now we all know that that it doesn't work like that. It's not. There wasn't. Buddha was not the most skilled meditator. That's not what's going to do it. It is the understanding that takes place inside the heart, confirmed inside heart, in your inmost being, over and over again. that will pull us completely out of sleep, to the extent that you realise that which I am now has never slept, just dream sleep. I don't know if you feel like I have gone too far to say these things, because they are here, palpable in you. So if it means anything at all, by saying, OK, in five minutes, to drop everything. Okay, one minute. Still plenty of time. You know, it's sixty times your opportunity to drop it. Even drop means what it means drop even. It is only a question of where you place your attention and what confirms this. And whether when you drop your attention towards an object or an in, or some desire, some aspiration, you find that which is without aspiration, and that you don't find that and remain the finder of it, but that you are that confirmed as that. This is the work, the place where the work, if you want to say work, of contemplation becomes very powerful. That we must sit with this even for a minute, to contemplate intensely for one minute, may be enough for many people, to confirm, to burn what is not true, without lighting a fire, to burn what is not true, and to remain awake as the naked Self. So. What can keep the recognition of the truth so long? What can keep it like that? Except that we are investment investing in two different places. We want to invest in the world, we want to invest in the self. But if you invest in the self fully, you will cut the world. If you invest in the in the world, or let's say half, yeah, then you never quite be in the self. So there is not yet somehow that full-hearted urge or willingness to say yes. But it is like this, in fact. The sense of a choice must be there also. That you know, just leave that now. These choices have some power. We cannot say choice itself is an illusion. You cannot work it out just with the head and say, 
yeah, I understand this and this and this. No, da, 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 da. it has to be with the head and the heart, and also with the body. Also, the whole thing must be there. And listening or speaking like this should not leave you with a sense of something I must do. It should be washing straight away. You're looking, washing straight away to see. Yes, this is just that was just nonsense. That's not really needed. That's not necessary to keep giving attention to this. You know, just and feeling the space of what is here, the space of what is here. But nothing is wrong with work. Work also is. The evidence of love in action. Work is going to be there too, but it will not be strenuous because you won't be there to take ownership of that. So the work is your satsang also. The work is your reality also. If and when it arises, words speaking even like this, they are inadequate actually, because they cannot entirely convey, but they can do their part. Mm-hmm.